Hello and welcome to Coin Talk. Very, very special episode. Last week's episode seems to have gone over well. So we are back with our favorite guest of all time, the man whose trades we have been stealing for almost half a decade, Mr. Ledger Status. I'll be with him and Jay Kang talking about DeFi after the music. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Wednesday, February 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Ethereum price index was $1,640. Ledger? Are we doing Ledger or are we doing Brian here? What, where, how are we uh, you can do Brian. Okay, well, we're, we're friends. This is Brian, Ledger Status, Crossguard. Crossguard? Crossguard, yeah. Coastguard? Crogsguard. <laughs> um, you may remember him from Coin Talk 1. Uh, he is also the man who has been my trading guru for many years, uh, jumped me into the gang. Uh, we had a few, I would say kind of quiet years and, uh, over the last few months, it has really picked up steam again. Is That's just like a general quality of your life, right? Your, your life is getting more intense right now. Yeah. I mean, I paid attention throughout the bear market, uh, whereas coin talks got it right. You're a bull market only show. Uh, yeah. Only up, <laughs> but things, <laughs> things definitely get more intense as the the number goes up with Bitcoin and and other stuff. And my life has gotten a lot busier over the past like eight or nine months, especially like Bitcoin over nine ten thousand. Everybody started getting hyped up again. So I don't think I have much to teach you about crypto. You have so much to teach me, but I feel like there was one thing that when I got back into it, you were also just getting into, which is NFTs. So I feel like we're on like somewhat equal footing when it comes to NFTs. I think you're ahead of me when on you the NFT landscape. I appreciate that comment. I appreciate it. Although there's a dark horse in this competition, which is Jay, who really has <laughs> the right YOLO attitude to take advantage. Like while other people are like, is this just pure speculation? Jay is just shoving things into his cart. So. He may beat us both, but I wanted to ask you, cause I know I want to talk about hash masks and I know you were involved in grading some hash masks or at least tweeting some grades for hash masks. When you saw Jay's E Honda slapping the butt NFT, what did you think of the value straight off the bat at a 0.05 F? I don't want to think of what it was in dollar terms, but in Ethereum terms, I mean, that's like, less than the cost of a, a transaction for a typical trade. So I think he, it was a total steal. So Jay, at the end of the last show, you agreed to list the eHonda NFT. Um, I think at that point we were only talking about a 2X, but somehow it went up to like an 8X when you actually it. was an it. 8X, yeah. Yeah, 800% gain on the eHonda. And I, you know what? I didn't like doing it. You know, I didn't feel happy. it already. I didn't feel happy yeah. about it at all because I had already had an emotional connection that I can't explain. You know, I was like, man, this is hilarious. You know, it's a E-Honda slapping an ass. <laughs> I was like, this is great. You know, works every time. Every person I show it to laughs. You know, they're like, that's cool. <laughs> and then I just shipped it <laughs> immediately <laughs> for what? Like, what? what is the 8x gain from 0.05 ETH to 0.4 ETH? Really I mean, you I sold mean, it for more than exactly $500. But. I don't know. I didn't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it now. I kind of wish I had it back. Eh. 
and one Ethereum is fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollars. So, I mean, what did you net? Like seven hundred United States dollars for? I know, but I dumped that Honda? already. I, I dumped that already into gas fees buying domain names. <laughs> okay, let's Lammer, have let's, you been, have you calculated the gas fees that you've paid for your for your domain I, names and what they're worth today? <laughs> Brian, what's that? Thing where you can go and look up what your overall fees ever on a wallet fees.wtf and it is a dangerous dangerous location okay i would i'm curious what brian's looks like since he's been trading through both DeFi booms but um even for jay and i as total amateurs i'm definitely in the thousands uh, in terms of fees and so i have espoused one strategy about domain hoarding i've discussed with this ledger with ledger I like things that feel like they could be a project in the future. Jay, you've gone a different route with your domain name investing. Tell us about what you've been. Okay, buying. I want to read. I want to read the ones that I have first. Hold on, let me let me find my MetaMask. Um, and I want to say that in our Telegram channel, I have been ruthlessly mocked for these choices. Um, <laughs> And there's never been a there's never been a moment while being mocked where I've doubted myself. I've been like, oh, these fucking idiots don't get it, right? Like I, so your mocking has had no impact. All right, the first one I have is Bowden.eth. That is where I went to college, small New England liberal arts college. Uh, I have Pitzer.eth, which is a small liberal arts college down uh, in near Los Angeles. I have. Would it be fair to say that your trend is like? D3 sports school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Wesleyan.eth, which is where I don't mean to dox you, Aaron, but that's where Aaron Lammer went to college. Um, a small New England liberal arts college. <laughs> I have Oberlin.eth, which many of you probably know is a famously liberal uh, college. And I have AsianAmerican.eth, which, um, you know, is obvious. But my strategy is basically just to try and buy up as many colleges as possible. What kind of a sales scenario are you imagining for Asian American? Oh, that one I don't know. The, I, mean, I feel like that one. The is Asian great. American. I can, I can imagine like, many sales scenarios. Can I just say, um, all Jay, these, I think, I think I'm ahead. allowed to talk about this. I don't think there are any uh, legal reasons why I can't. But like Peter Segal, wait, wait. Wait.eth, they're all available. They could oh, all wow. be yours for trolling. And I feel like this wow. is a huge missed opportunity. I know. Well, what am I? Wow. My real strategy was to try and find all the conservative commentators that I don't like, like Ben Shapiro. And, and <laughs> most likely, like, and, and, then, and then just buy up all their <laughs> addresses. They're going to be um, so offended that they can't have decentralized finance ids at their fingertips i know well ben shapiro was taken um but uh i did find some other ones that i would have bought but i was so tired of paying 65 dollars gas fees for a five dollar domain name that i stopped but um aaron i don't know why don't you think this college thing is a good idea like my i, I t explained that my my logic for it which is that um you know, all these colleges are super protective of their brands, right? They're super protective yeah. of their real estate online. They all have computer science programs in which people will be hopefully and almost certainly moving into this type of territory. And I would think that every college would want their own ETH address, right? I mean, I'll admit I've like had UCLA.ETH in my waiver wire picks for a while. I just want to go with schools where like the brand mark has like 
international value like UCLA. Like, I don't think a large portion of people even know how to spell Bowdoin. No, I know, but but I don't think that matters because I think it's more just a litigious side of those schools, which despite being small are extremely wealthy. Like all these schools have tons of money. And they certainly have well, enough I money like, to like break off 200k or something like that to me to buy their ether dress. That's an ambitious it. target for what someone will pay for a dot e. You know, you could get Glenn Beck. You don't want 200k? Then go ahead, put Wesleyan College and see how annoying it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put up. I'm just gonna put up troll shit on Wesleyan It's a. Like, it's a. It's certainly a long hold because it could be like five years before anyone cares. So you have to like manually renew these things over the blockchain and pay those stupid fees every no, year. No, no, I, that, Brian, that's where that's where you're wrong because I have long-term holds on every single one of these. Oh, you just went ahead and did oh. five years so that oh, you yeah, know. I bought, wow. I bought them for a long period Fee of saver. time. I'm not did, you already list, did you already list them on OpenSea so that when they discover that they don't own this thing that they don't know exists, that they'll be able to buy it? I have a trolling, I have a trolling uh, strategy here, you know, okay. which is uh, I'm going to try and put up embarrassing things about the schools on their ETH address and then and then send it to their to the school council so <laughs> and, their you, P- and their PR teams. Yeah, so you uh, you put together a full business plan for how I to have be a, a strategy. That's squad. why I don't understand the mocking of it, where it's like Aaron's like, if you don't have Yale or UCLA, it doesn't matter. It's just like these schools are so rich. Aaron, like how much money do you think Wesleyan has? I mean, Wesleyan it is a rich school. I'm just I'm kind of with Brian where I'm like, well, what waves of people are coming? I'm like waiting for like mostly like financial terms. And I personally, I like like emojis, like project names. I do think it'll eventually come to schools. My guess is the first people who bid on those are going to be like, eth crazy students at the school who want like wesleyan.eth because they go to wesleyan and it's like the crazy vanity handle so i think you might actually clean up on those because there's going to be some weird people who just want what they want i have a i've picked up something very special this week which is nicks.eth the uh the basketball team I, I bought it for about $180 off the waiver wire. I waited till the very, very last second. If anyone on listening to the show tries to s- scoop me in any of these NBA teams on the waiver wire, I'll hunt you down. <laughs> I'll figure out your Ethereum address and I will send it all sorts of explicit NFTs because I, I could do such. Also, I'm glad y'all y'all feel free to continue saying what you own, but please don't say any that I own because saying any dot ETH that you own completely doxes your ethereum addresses so oh, if good. you're yeah oh right right well i have this in a dedicated wallet it's just full of nfts and uh ethereum names. yeah gotcha. congratulations guys you can steal like i think what is now 80 dollars of ETH. <laughs> well, actually <laughs> not steal can, just the just know about is you more. can know that i have about 86 dollars of eth after paying all of these fucking I actually bought Nix.f in a different wallet because I screwed up, but that's the wallet that I made the Cointuck loyalty badge NFTs in. So that one was pretty doxed anyway. I want to say thank you to everyone who wrote in for a Cointuck loyalty badge. Ledger's got one. Jay's got one. About 17 listeners have one. We didn't have enough to give everyone, but we are going to press more NFTs. You just have to listen to the show if you want to hear about the next one. Brian, how many NFTs do you presently own? Oh, gosh. Well, I think I have um, a little over 20 hash masks. And just 
counting offhand here, maybe like 25 Ethereum domains. So I guess about 50 that, and I've paid for all of them. So I don't want to add up the dollars there, but a significant sum of money on that stuff. And it's usually a sign that I'm, I'm having too good of a day or a week trading when I'm like, Oh yeah, a few hundred dollars to drop on this four letter ETH dot ETH domain that somebody might be interested in someday. It's usually a sign that I just need to put the, you know, put it down and, and go do something else. Brian, what would your response, like, what, what is the signal when you've not made any money in crypto in four years and then you re-enter the market <laughs> and immediately spend all your money on gas fees on small college domains <laughs> and e-honda and e-honda stuff? I will say uh, to both of you, I don't think I've, I don't think I've had FOMO this hard. I don't care about the price of any of these DeFi coins <laughs> or anything like that. I only care about the NFT market. And I don't know why that <laughs> is. I think it's some sickness in my brain. But like that that uh that 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 mask story drove me insane. Well, I was like, how did one, I miss that? One of my friends sold a hash mask for one hundred Ethereum. So they got a two hundred X on their hash mask and uh that's a lot of money in, in any terms. They I don't sold care. it for a hundred Ethereum. Yep, on the first day, this guy came oh in. He bought God. theirs for a hundred, and he bought another one for four hundred and twenty Ethereum. I don't know who that one came from, but yeah, man, that uh, those hash masks are pretty insane. They were, I think the uh, you could say maybe the average price of one was about half an ETH. So to, as of today, maybe like seven hundred and fifty dollars, um, but. That was the to buy it. it was to buy it originally, it was yeah, it was point yeah. one ETH, yeah. but only we like sh- real insiders got them at point one or point three, and it's this linear scale based on how many had been sold. They get more expensive, and it got yeah. really popular when uh, Crypto Cobain tweeted it as they were uh, half an ETH, and then those went real quick, then became point nine, then one point seven, then three. And then the last three were priced at 100 ETH each, but really only the very last one went for that price because the first two, there's this like overlap bug. So they went for three because the person that bought like the last one at the three level, it just looped those in. But anyway, this the people behind this made $10 million worth of Ethereum with these AI, well, real real artists made like the components of these cards, but then it was basically a script that placed like the different parts. So the background or the shirt or male or female or the mask. And there were different rarities for each of these items, just like in playing cards. And then if you combined through this generated script, like multiple things that were sub 1% potential, then something became really rare. So if you have like, say a golden robot, character that also has golden toilet paper as its item it's very very rare and worth lots and lots of money yeah but how, Jay how, just did, bought how that. did they Jay distribute just these um did you get to pick you, which you, ones you bought or did you get them in packs in the same way that sport sports cards are? you could buy up to 20 in one transaction but you could do multiple transactions and then and that gave you an id so say your id was like four 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 uh through like four four six four or whatever um then after it was done, there was a race to call the function that assigns the different masks to each ID. So whether you got yours for 0.1 ETH or 3 ETH, it was still completely random which one you got assigned. So that function called it and assigned it across all 16,000 of them, and, uh, and everybody got them. And then it was just luck of the draw, just like a pack. 
and you the market kind of figured out what was valuable, people immediately ran imaging scripts and analysis tools over every single card to figure out what was rare and what wasn't. So like all this was done out of pure mystery. The team was just dropping these tiny little hints here and there. It was a perfect launch for like FOMO over, uh, I'm mad just hearing that I, about this and that I didn't get into it. How do I? We like, totally Jay, I have two. I can you. sell you. I'm sure you shared it with me. On what it, yeah. Uh, there are days <laughs> like, where I pay a lot of attention, and there are days where I just like don't read it. And I, I, I'm now going to read it every single day because I need, I need these launches. Like, so, like, is that, is that? How do people? Uh, I have. I'll sell you one for two ETH right now, straight up. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want yours. Don't miss out. I, I, have, <laughs> I have plenty. Brian of said mine are common. Um, Brian, you graded mine as commons, correct? What's that? My, the two that I showed you that I own, those those came back as commoners. Yeah, correct? yeah, they're pretty common. There's a someone created a spreadsheet and like so it took each of the characteristics and I can give you a link that someone can go look in OpenSea exactly how to analyze this, but. Each uh, each hash mask has a character, an eye color, an item, a mask, and a skin color, uh, and that's kind of the baseline characteristics that it, it creates the rarity formula from. On top of that, there's random stuff. So I had one with a glyph in the corner of it, and that was the only one I've sold so far because I probably put it for sale for way too little amount of money because I didn't know what that glyph meant and how rare that made it. But there's like a deck of cards, for instance, hidden amongst these 16,000, uh, uh, you know, hash masks. So you could get like the king of clubs. So if you got the king of clubs, like the idea is someone's going to want to collect the whole deck of cards or all the planets or, you know, various things. So there's so much stuff coming out. And then I think what's happening is the team that's anonymous, I think they're slowly leaking little details to like super fans and stuff to like, pull it together even more. So the speculation today is actually if you put all 16,000 together, it makes one conglomerate puzzle. And inside that puzzle, they think that there's hidden private keys to actually access either some or all of the Ethereum that was raised. So it's a giant puzzle to make millions of dollars uh, from what they raised. And like, there's so much stuff into it. They, they did, I mean, it was the best launch I think I've ever seen, whether it's just a token or whatever, but specifically the timing, the execution, just good enough quality of art to like really pique people's interest, the randomification of it, it was perfect. It should be like, uh, in the end, someone's going to put all the masks together and it's going to, it's going to read, Craig Wright is Satoshi. <laughs> 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 oh, I hope not. It would be the best troll ever. It would um, be a great troll. Okay, so I, I, I have a I... friend, Brian, who uh, is a computer programmer, and he's gotten into this, and he started making – he he wants to get rich, and I want to help him get rich off of this stuff. And his idea is to take 90s porn stars, and he's been making these <laughs> – he's been making these, image, these moving images from 90s porn. It's like Jenna Jameson and, like, Sonny Leone and all these people. And so what he needs to do then is he needs to basically create some sort of like a amalgamation image where you crop out different things. So one would be like, you know, one type of dick or something like that. And then you <laughs> and then you and then you mix them all up. Right. And then you're like, oh, my God, that one is like a 
that one is like a I don't know Peter, Peter North is too old of a but like Ron Jeremy penis right and and that's super rare it has to be like that it needs to be many different components into one image at once right I think that might be too much work for him is honestly. that how you generate like a deep fake is like here's the perfectly average 90s fantasy person yes yeah yeah or you just say I think that he's basically trying to like there are enough, I think, that you could make some of them rare, you know, so you could have like a Jenna Jameson could be like the Charizard in uh, in Pokemon, right? I imagine that people will take this hash masks concept and apply it to pretty much any genre they can get their hands on. Okay, so was, we got a I corner mean, of the 90s porn market here is what I'm saying. Like, what do you, <laughs> what what do you think about this idea? Uh, I mean, I'm ha- sure it will work. It's not like my brand or cup of tea per per se but uh i you know it's a market proven to succeed on the internet so i'm sure it'll be fine come on jay ledger's a family man (laughs) he doesn't want it he doesn't want that kind of felt in his wall (laughs) okay (laughs) so i do have something to say about this though because we're now saying oh everyone's gonna steal the hash mass idea and the hash mass idea is kind of the crypto punks idea which is kind of the crypto kitties idea which is that the artwork is not the atomic single artwork but the whole canvas all of the whole set and when you say oh someone sold one for 428th it's like whoa that's insane top stuff but when you say the whole project has a net value of let's say between 10 and 20 million dollars right now that doesn't feel that crazy to me if this is the biggest project of its kind that tons of whales bought into and that people already saw a big appreciation on. In fact, I can imagine someone doing a project that's two or three or five times bigger than that this year. If someone really nails it and sort of increased, you know, puts other dimensions on that make people want to put even more capital into that node. Yeah. I think what we'll see is, um, whereas this was anonymous artists, I think we'll start to see known artists that say like, this is my largest collection ever. And here's the only way you can access it. And then you bring real art speculators into this digital realm and you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can have people want to own the individual pieces of a collection. You can even, this is one of the things that gets interesting for me and Jay might end up enjoying this since, you know, he, seems to really love the illiquid stuff that you can't possibly sell, but you do have to spend a lot of money on it. Well, what people are doing is now they're creating these indexes and it's almost like, um, you remember like the, you know, the split up mortgages back in that helped create the financial crisis where they turned more mortgages into mortgage, mortgage backed securities. Yeah, and yeah. then you like uh, categorize them. Like these are really healthy mortgages and these are not, uh, <laughs> these are legendary mortgages. Yes. So you can do this with <laughs> NFTs where you say like, here's all these hash masks and here's an index of golden robots or an index of like really basic ones. And then they turn that into an index where it's like, okay, here's a thousand of them packaged together and they securitize it. And then you can trade it just like any other cryptocurrency with an ERC 20. There's projects that are creating the foundation for actually building that. That's what NFTX is, uh, Aaron, that we've talked yeah. about. Pump that shit. <laughs> Pump that talking about your shit. bags now. <laughs> Brian said he wasn't going to be pumping bags on this podcast, but he lied. So, but NF- well, that's yeah, right. so it's just a derivative of the NFT market. Then you're basically buying ETF. It's exposure of, to the whole set. You're buying like an ETF of golden toilet 
ma- masks. Yeah. yeah, but all of or these just things a start ETF with things of that are silly. Masks. But then imagine what that could apply to in a in a real world. But you're creating the framework for that, right? So you could do it with real art, or you could do it with um, digital art by real artists, you know, that are public, or how a celebrity, you know, rewards their fans, or how this is where it gets really interesting to me is what if you apply that to other things like um, what if there become index funds for like websites, like a website essentially becomes part of uh, an index fund. So it's almost like you would with a REIT, you know, like with real estate in the real world, maybe you do with the physical element, but pull all kinds of digital or physical things and make them tradable in a democratic fashion and people can have fractional shares, I think it gets really interesting. And I definitely think it's the way for like, I could imagine Zillow doing this, for instance, where people could essentially um, have a way for their home to be part of this. And then you get that same mortgage-backed security concept, but it's like on a blockchain and you browse Zillow and you buy like a piece of 43rd Street Manhattan or something, you know, like, I think that's awesome. I think Brian just invented the next financial. I know. <laughs> that sounds super cool. Were there any consequences last time people engaged in this yeah. activity? Yeah, I like when you start out with, you remember the thing that destroyed the economy and might have ruined America? <laughs> we can do I, I, that again. It's, it's kind of like that, but instead of being for mortgages, it's for hash masks. And what if we applied that to everything else? It's fine. I'll create, I'm going to create one for my college DNSs. It'll be like the NESCAC DNS. Uh, what, what are they called? They're called uh, the, what are these derivatives called? ENS, Ethereum yeah. Name Service. No, 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 no. So, the derivatives that you're talking uh, about. Like the, the platform is called NFT. Yeah, that's just NFT called NFTX, but it's basically but like a liquid like index of illiquid items. And they're all different types of ERCs. And I think it's just really interesting experimentation along the same lines. The whole world is becoming like traders for good or for ill, probably for ill. But like the Definitely making for ill. Yeah, but making literally everything in life liquid. Is fascinating, right? So it's like, just imagine all the things that you can turn into something tradable or investable and then doing it. And then what happens? What does the world do? Um, It certainly makes investing more accessible to everyone. There's a million regulatory things in the way of this, obviously. Um, But to see the technology start to shape up is really cool to me. I predict the first one is going to be like sneakers and grailed type supreme stuff where you just make a big vault of, you know, rare dunks and tokenize it. I even saw a guy who's already selling NBA top shots, which are on the flow blockchain, which aren't really even accessible in Ethereum world, but he's made an Ethereum based index fund of them. And then they're like, if you cash out and remove your top shots, he just goes into telegram room and sends them to you. This seems like a good way to lose your NBA top shots. But with just one leap into this Ethereum world, you kind of are going to be able to turn anything into one of these funds. Yeah. And I would say that's going to happen pretty soon. So I'm bullish in that whole area. Me too. Um, okay. I want to I want to I change gears here. There, the last time we were all together on the air has to have been one of the last first run coin talks. So this takes us up to like, Jay, when did you stop being interested in crypto? Like early 2018? Mm, yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Okay, so it's been like actually about three years almost since we were cooking. We're all older. 
We, uh, we've been through some wars. Uh, we're all back into it. And I think a lot of our listeners are wondering, we left kind of eth skeptics and now we're back. And I'm like, um, like a Hari Krishna dude in an airport trying to tell you about <laughs> Ethereum. Like, I really, really, really have been annoying people in my life trying to talk to them about Ethereum. And it's not really Ethereum that I'm trying to tell them about. I'm trying to tell them about two things. NFTs, which we've discussed at length here, but actually in practice uh, and in bag size, far more DeFi, uh, which is this whole world of Ethereum projects that as a whole are engaged in the process of uh, trying to flip in Wall Street with uh, Ethereum-based products. How would you describe it, Ledger? Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty good way to put it is to say, um, think of any financial instrument that you can and can we take it out of the hands of the centralized powers that be and put it on a blockchain and uh, largely turn governance over to the hands of the participants. So the people either using the product or holding the token backing the product. And it creates a massively blurry line between what is a security or not. And maybe tokenization is ends up being its own thing. The regulatory hurdles are literally years and years behind all of the stuff that you're seeing happen. To take a very straightforward example though, you could take the lending, you could consider the lending market which is obviously one of the biggest markets that exist and one of the first to be tackled. The easiest part of the lending and borrowing market uh, that banks know how to do in real life, now anyone can participate in, is actually the partial collateralization market. The example I always use, and this is the crypto native example, is someone has a whole bunch of Bitcoin, but they don't want to sell that Bitcoin. They just want to borrow against it to say, build a business or like, go do something where maybe they, th they need the dollars to do it, but they, they do think those dollars will be relatively safe. Well, you can deposit your, your however many Bitcoin, say a thousand Bitcoin, and then you can withdraw, I don't know, a million dollars against it. So your Bitcoin is fully collateralized uh, or your, their loan is pretty safe. So if you fail to repay, they just take your Bitcoin or some of it. Um, but then you just have this interest on both sides and then you have complete access to that cash really, really quickly. Uh, Mark Cuban has talked publicly about how he really likes this concept. He's been using Aave, one of the primary products in that space, for this very reason, just the simplicity of saying like, okay, I have collateral, now give me money that I can, you know, I need money for a different purpose. Uh, whether it's investing or you could borrow something and like in, create a synthetic like long or short position uh, if you want to do it for speculation. But the most interesting one is purely, I want to use these dollars for something without selling my other stuff. And that market has seen uh, several billion dollars be funneled into those products, mostly for speculation, but we're going to see more and more people do it for real. Um, and it's in a fully or relatively decentralized manner. You know, there's teams that have a lot of control over these tokens, but um, kind of like Ethereum, they kind of decentralize over time. And then almost anything else you can think of, the Ethereum world is figuring out how to also recreate that. So it could be like fixed or variable rate bonds or, um, you know, creating exchange, recreating exchanges through a DEX, uh, which you spent a lot of time on a recent show talking about that DEX component. But there's all these other 
types of products too that they're trying to create and experimenting massively and what it brings to light and what does make it exciting is it's really highlighting the fact that Ethereum is a wide open landscape because you're only limited by what you do in solidity, the back, you know, the code that backs it up, which is incredibly flexible. Whereas Bitcoin is really mature in a really narrow scope of like money and settlement and yeah. all this Ethereum stuff is just wide open and people are like, okay, well we'll experiment with it and we'll have fun. And that really gets people's juices flowing. The, the way I describe why I've become so bullish on it is if I often thought, look, Bitcoin's a great buy. We're at 10% of gold. If we can even get to half of gold, what a come up. If we can equal gold, what a come up. It feels like now we're competing with like the entire finance industry, which just feels like a bigger and more fruitful fish to eat over time and one that has tentacles all over society. So instead of just talking about this as like a pie in the sky, I want to talk about it practically. Yeah. Jay, what interests you about this world? Like of, of, of what ledger describe, like where would you want to like allocate capital on betting on this? Like we eat wall street future. Um, well, I do think that I do think that we've become a country of speculators as we pointed out before. Right. And this started well before, 2008 even, but it's certainly intensified, especially in the public eye. Um, you know, I think Wall Street was always that way or maybe has been for the past 40 years or something like that or 50 years. But, um, you know, now with Robin Hood and everything like that, people are starting to speculate as well. We're in a pandemic. Nobody has anything to do. They're feeling desperate and all this stuff is going to intensify. It's bad for the future of our children. I'll say that. But, you know, <laughs> it is certainly where things are going right now. And I don't really think that given the lack of uh, trust that people have in institutions, I mean, there's there's all these studies basically done that once an institution that's this big, you know, like something like Wall Street or the financial markets or regulators, once they start losing the public trust, like it's over, you know, it's like you're done, like you can't get that back. And I think we're at that moment right now. And, you know, a lot of it is from Trump. A lot of it is from, you know, his followers. A lot of it is from people on the left who are maybe part of the Bernie campaign. There's just a lot of insurrectionary energy. And I just cannot imagine that in 10 years that Wall Street will have the power that it has right now. And if it does, then it's bad. And if it doesn't, maybe that's bad too. I have a hard time seeing that future. And I do think that the thing that's the closest right now to figuring out how to make some sort of financial agreement is Ethereum. Now, like you asked Aaron, what's different now between now and four years ago when we talked about this. And do you remember how like the projects were like, hey, it would be like Vitalik going like, oh, you have a shipping con- company in Russia. Like, I'll build like a, you will use Ethereum to build like a spreadsheet for you. And you're like, well, I don't know. Do you really need a better spreadsheet? Microsoft Excel is pretty good at tracking like 40 ships or 40, 40 trucks. You know, you can do that with Microsoft Excel. It's going to be fine. Or like, do you remember when like uh, when uh, Brian Armstrong put out Ethereum World, right? We did like six episodes on it where you can take classes at Khan Academy or something like that. And it's like, you know, it's like this vision of SimCity where everything is Ethereum. Those ideas are dumb. The reality of like an Ethereum-based financial market that's decentralized, I think is extremely not dumb. And although I am somewhat skeptical that it can work in the next year or two years, like obviously I'm going to try and invest in it early. Like that that's basically the change. I don't think that that is some sort of radical thought. I think that's what most people think right now, right? I think the big change 
in me and Jay's outlook here, and I wonder if this is what changed it for you, Brian, is like we were putting markets on early auger and it just didn't work. You go on Compound now, you go on Maker, you go on Avi. It's pretty simple to basically just auth in with a Ethereum wallet and deposit funds. And then you get back these tokens and then these tokens are this whole universe on decentralized decks, which really work. They're really easy to use. They're like one screen websites that are like, trade this for this. It's so much easier than this shit was when we got into crypto. And it's opening up all these opportunities for coins like the coin that you got me into was Rook. And so I look up like, well, what does Rook do in this situation? It's like, well, Rook provides these flash liquidity for arbitrage situations where someone wants a ton of capital to take advantage of a very short term opportunity in arbitrage. Sounds great. Sounds like a very lucrative place to be. And so the sort of second generation of me getting into these coins was realizing that there's really like two kinds of value happening for these projects. There's total lock value, which is the stuff people have deposited into the project, which is its, it's liquidity. And then there's treasury, which is all of these projects are running around like little AI bot swarms uh, trying to earn fees. And Rook is a project that seems like it's earning a lot of fees. It doesn't cost very much. I'm not asking you to shill it on the show, but I'm curious, <laughs> like when you look at these projects, are you looking for the big fish in the ecosystem or smaller fish that have sort of profitable niches? Or are you basically just looking at the entire ecosystem and going, eh, this ecosystem's going up. I'm just buying whatever chart looks good. Yeah, I mean, I'm a speculator first. So I'm looking to a, a blend of a couple of things like what cyclically is right, because I still believe Bitcoin as kind of the base layer currency of everything dominates what's possible. So if Bitcoin's trending really hard, People are just going to focus on that. The attention goes there and you tend to kind of bleed out elsewhere from a price perspective. But what's yep. been going on, and this is what I had to realize, is that engineers built stuff in the bear market. Like they took these ideas that stunk or didn't have great products and they started to make them real during the bear market. And then when the market got bullish again, led by Bitcoin, but then money starts flowing in on the Ethereum side too, is it got or the speculator money started flowing in on the ethereum side is all of a sudden it was like oh wow you can actually go do this stuff you can take out a loan or a, an interesting one is you can trade on a layer two decks so if layer one like the ethereum mainnet super slow well now there's legitimate layer twos where you can go and you can trade on them uh like perpetual swaps um so you don't have to trade on say a bitmex or something you can trade on one of those or all these things that people have been building and what I'm interested in essentially is I always say I want to filter or screen by what is interesting fundamentally. Like, do they have investment? Have they built something real? Is it legitimate? And then from my entries and exits, I still look at a chart. Like that's kind of my core thesis is like, I want to buy when something looks like it's going to go up. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to be a community member because this is cool tech and I'll ride or die profitability-wise based on whether it succeeds. Some people are really good at that. I'm not very good at that. I'm more, you know, be a speculator, but screen based on whether or not something's interesting in the first place. The only other element I would add to that is there's this uh, element of being able to get in and out because the liquidity on these different projects. 
Now some stuff is on centralized exchanges. There's a whole slew of stuff. And honestly, a lot of the best opportunities, if you want to be early, if you will, is before it ever gets on Coinbase or, you know, on Binance or something. And you only buy off of a DEX. It's only available on a DEX. And those DEXs have really improved. And that makes it to where sometimes you can get upside purely because like a lot of people haven't dug in to say like, I'm going to trade on a DEX. So therefore not as much money has flowed in yet. And you have opportunity to make more if you get in earlier and kind of, you know, roll your sleeves up and dig into the DeFi trading side of things. Um, and I, and I just play it off of where I think we are in the cycle. Like, is it time for the big caps to, to run like the, you know, big caps being maybe like a link and a uni and like something new, new age of large caps, or is it time where people are going to push down into the mid caps or there's even the late cycle, which we're not in yet. In my mind is just like, here's any random thing, like with a sub $5 million (laughs) market cap, and I'm just going to hop in there and hope it goes up. (laughs) That's called lammer time. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to talk coin time. Let's let's talk about how I've been playing this and maybe how Jay can play it. Cause I can tell Jay is like, just probably just quietly buying shit while you're talking. So (laughs) I think the last time, like, I don't think these are altcoins for starters. I think we're in a new territory. I think it's unfair to call compound or maker an altcoin or say that uni is really an altcoin. They have a lot of relationship, those altcoins, but a lot of the altcoins we were buying were eth killers or they were alternatives to Bitcoin, like Monero as a privacy coin. These are eth coins. So when I hold coins in uh, in in the DeFi world, I kind of feel like I'm holding F or I feel like I'm holding like a flavor of F. A derivative I'm holding of Ethereum. It, it, a yeah. derivative of, of Ethereum. And so therefore I'm like, I'm getting some upside from this project. And I also am kind of getting an updraft from Ethereum itself because this is kind of a node of Ethereum that people are flooding value into. They could flood it out also, but like, I feel like I'm like in the mycelium of the giant mushroom. Uh, yeah. To put to put it one way, and that feels very different than when alt, we were dealing with altcoins that were basically battling Bitcoin. That were like, I'm going to do the opposite of Bitcoin, or like I'm worried Bitcoin's going to go up. So, like Jay, when does holding this stuff look appealing to you, or do you like just bet on Bitcoin in this situation? And I'm curious, Brian, also like what you would say to that to someone who's like, don't I get all the upside here by just holding Ethereum? Simplify things, you know. So, I mean, outside of my NFT buying. And so I have, uh, I don't know, it's like, I've explained it on the show before, but it's basically, I have a discretionary fund of money that is my get rich quick fund. And to this day, at the age of 41, it is, I'm 0 for 41 years, right? (laughs) It's never worked. (laughs) But I keep trying. And um, I would say right now, most of that discretionary fund is in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it has been since about, I don't know, when did I start buying back in like 10,000 or 12,000 sometime around then, right? Um, And uh, I've been happy with it. Now, I haven't had the massive like 8x gains or something like that. But it does make it seem, and and I'm actually interested in you guys' thought about this, which is like, if you want broad exposure to DeFi, right? And you want less risk, but you just want broad exposure to DeFi. Should you just be buying Ethereum? There's actually a whole slew of things you can do. For instance, um, 
there's even indexes that are being created. So, you know, you could buy like QQQ for the NASDAQ 100. Well, in DeFi, you could dot, uh, buy the DPI. It's the DeFi protocol index. Yeah, DeFi pulse index. I'm sorry. And it's, I, I don't know, maybe like 10 projects or something that are all DeFi related. And that does give you pretty broad exposure. Um, so people are creating kind of their own blends of things. And in the Yearn ecosystem, they have a couple. I think one's called Yeti and one's called Assy, like A-S-S-Y. Uh, and it's like, I don't know what they are, like Ave, Sushi, uh, you know, like the various of these DeFi projects. Um, so you could get broad direct exposure to DeFi through some of those without having to know exactly what each project is. The safer way is to do it directly to Ethereum. But kind of like anything, even in the stock market, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are always going to be like your your large caps, even though they do see enormous volatility and upside still. But like for something to go up 10x, Ethereum would have to go to $15,000 if you're just getting into it today. But like if you find the right project and it's a $50 million market cap, well, a $500 million market cap is not out of the question for a really quality project that you're early on. You did your homework and yada, yada. So you can get your 10 X's a little easier if you do dig in to these specific projects. What we've seen recently is a repricing that I've been calling for for a little bit now, ever since I became a DeFi believer. And then ever since I felt like Bitcoin was topping and it was time for that money rotation game to go towards these uh, DeFi coins, all these Tired layer ones, like Aaron was talking about, that are trying to kill Ethereum, they're all still like Old top 50, bags. top 100 market caps. And since Ethereum clearly won that, and like there are some newer chains trying to compete with Ethereum, but like all the old Bitcoin clones or direct Ethereum clones, they're not it. So what needs to replace all those is the top tier DeFi projects need to make their way to the top 20 or the top 50. Um, and we've started to see some of that, like your unis and your aves and your synthetics, those have moved into the top 20, but what we still haven't fully seen is the top 50 and top 100 round out to where it's like half full of DeFi projects. Because if you look at what's occurring, all the real products, all of the real tooling is in these DeFi projects, but they're not fully in the top tier of market cap coins why, yet. why is that is that just because retail investors are going on coinbase and just spamming buttons like is it is it because of legacy stuff with like litecoin where you know maybe they've heard about crypto from someone who was into it a few years ago and they're like oh you should buy litecoin is it because of that like uh you know some of these projects that are in the top 10 seem totally dead to me but then again i don't really pay that much attention yeah it's a it's a re-education for people who've been in the space for a long time I think I spend a quarter of my days describing DeFi to people who I would consider like OGs. So their idea of buying alts is, oh, let me, you know, rotate some money to Litecoin. And I'm like, whoa, time out, man. Like that, we're not investing in zombie chains here. Like those don't make any sense when the alternative is stuff where, you know, there's like billions of dollars deposited uh, in using those products. Like none of those... I call them like empty cathedral layer ones. Like they designed it with all this engineering and it's like, yeah, nobody uses it. Um, I want to go where the money is and where people are interested and active. And 
it takes even people who've been in the space a while to like learn what's what. The people who've kept up with it the best are who, people who are DeFi native. They were like Ethereum maximalists digging into all the things built on Ethereum. And then the other crew, and I want to give them a little bit of credit because I've, you know, I've kind of scoffed at them before, is there are select like hedge fund investors, venture, you know, and venture capital investors who they did their fundamental homework to see like where's the real engineering power occurring. And it's not typically in the older like proof of work layer ones. It's more in how can we make layer one scalable um, for s- specific for financial products? And that's the only category of not ETH killer, but ETH complementary. Like maybe a Solana is one. Your audience probably hasn't heard of Solana, but it's like an example of like something that's going to be big. Like it's be- like you'd be better off in Solana than Litecoin. Um, and then the other category is going to be all of these DeFi native products, which is like, how do I get fixed rate? loans so i can deposit usdc and earn like nine percent go tell somebody that they can earn nine percent on like a seven figure deposit and they're gonna like run towards it but that occurs in crypto today yeah well I, that's another thing i was thinking about was like you know i looked on my gemini app and they're like well you can just get interest on your avi and i was like ah, that sounds good you know and the numbers <laughs> yeah. are better you know like what my what's my savings account like 0.05 or something like that like these are real numbers it's it's like uh this was my i think this was one of the things that aaron and i talked about on the old show it was like my idea to try and put all my money into a mongolian bank because they <laughs> <laughs> they they had like 10 to 15 percent interest rate on on all the money that you put in there man <laughs> I have this memory that I just can't get rid of. But when I was 15 years old and getting my first like restaurant job, I opened a checking account and they open, they allow you to open a free savings account with it. And I put in a hundred dollars when I was 15 years old to this savings account. And I never touched the savings account because I'm 15 years old, right? Everything was just in the checking account. When I closed that bank account as a grown up, uh, I don't know, let's say I was 22 or 23 and changing my banking so I'd had this in there for like eight or nine years. I withdrew $100 and nine cents. <laughs> it's like, are you telling me I give a bank my a hundred dollars? And the thing is that could have been $10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. And there's, there's zero benefit. They just take advantage of your money. That's on deposit the whole time. Well, these DeFi native projects, if you deposit your uh, USDC or something, there is contract risk, but, the profit from these protocols and what they use with the money, they're sending more of that to the interest bearers, the people that are providing the capital that they make use of. And that's what's interesting. And like, no one cares about canceling the banks, if you will, right? Like everybody's down with that. And if you can decentralize some of the banking functions that exist in the world, that's really, really cool and interesting to me. I have, I have a question. It's a question that comes up every time we talk about this stuff. I believe this question was once entitled an episode entitled what is governance? And <laughs> when you look at all these coins and this was true of all gen one too. So we agree that DeFi is doing something and it's making money doing it. And that sounds like a great plan. So I look at all the different sort of categories. There's the stuff you can deposit into like compound maker, Avi, there are the exchanges like Sushi and Uni and Zero X, um, One Inch. And then there's things that do like really specific actions in the ecosystem that help do stuff. And 
you can buy each of these projects, which is great. So, you know, if you think that uh, Maker and Compound are going to flip in Golden Sachs, you can buy Maker and Compound right now and be a part of that. But when you really look at like, what is it to hold one of these tokens? It's a little bit hazier. Yes. It's not like you get a fractional percentage of the fees, which then gets deposited into your wallet. They are not and purely securities like when you buy a company stock. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think about that? And and how does that make you think about owning a project like Uni or a project like Compound versus owning a project like Ethereum that is flowing through Uni and Compound and gaining value as a result? This is where I would say the speculation is really far out there still. Like I'm not like just like people were like, why is a blockchain valuable on, you know, the last round of all this? And everybody's like, well, we don't know. Maybe it's the fat protocol thesis, you know, like some suit like made up a term like that and uh this is similar but it's a little more interesting because there is more of a clear concept of via governance so the token holders have the power to vote we can then choose because what's occurring here with DeFi products is that there's cash flow mechanisms so you mentioned rook earlier well because people are using rook's technology a, there's essentially profits that are created that go into the treasury under that Rook maintains. Well, what if via governance, the token holders vote to reward the profits and the treasury back to token holders? Now, there's good and bad there. Good profit back to token holders allows you to actually create, here's the profitability, here are fundamental ways to justify a price of something. Bad what in the world is a regulator going to do? And where is this token domiciled if it is? Is this a team fully in America, like your compounds or unis? And can they actually reassign profits from a protocol? Every time you trade on uni, say they make 0.3% of a trade fee, kind of like what Coinbase would. There's no guarantee that they can just like funnel that to token holders because that kind of makes them look like a security. So like these same old arguments of what is a security what is a commodity what are these things exist and it 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 gets the lawyers paid pretty well as they try to navigate these complicated waters and people currently are basically assuming that profits across the board from things that are used or things that have deposits and things that have potential for profit that that's going to get turned over and and get allocated to the token holders that kind of future expectation of profit and value similar to what you see in stocks there's zero guarantee of that so that's where i would say this speculation is pretty severe and you know all it takes is uh, a little deflation out of the system like pull out some of the euphoria bring on a bear market and everybody's like, this is all stupid. Governance is stupid. This thing doesn't make near enough money to justify this. Yada, yada, yada. The same market cycle type of stuff. So as I see it, what's happening now is that each of these projects has a big piggy bank and some of their piggy banks are swelling, Yeah, but the piggy bank has no actual expectation of op opening. We're all just basically buying in shares of that piggy bank. We feel kind of good about it because we're like, look, this can't be worth less than this. It has this much locked inside it. These companies are almost like wrapped piggy banks that just keep their own treasury in the same way that Bitcoin just keeps Bitcoin inside itself when it's wrapped. Yes. And due to probably lawyers' recommendations, they're all also saying this token is actually worthless. Like the Wi-Fi folks, they're like, <laughs> we, we are releasing Wi-Fi for this Yearn ecosystem, which is in itself an interesting thing. And it's like, but 
it is worthless. And then the market was like, yeah, but we're going to trade it up until it's worth $45,000 each. And the guys are like, but it's worthless. It's just governance. And, you know, <laughs> governance doesn't mean anything. You just, it depends. And it's like just constant like, yeah, wink, wink, nod, nod. We get it. Whatever. Pump our bags. <laughs> um, okay. Before we get out of here, um, speaking of pumping bags. So we were discussing index funds and you said you won't promote it on the show, but you are doing, it's not an, it's, it's called a token set, right? Yeah. I'm just participating in something myself that other people have the opportunity essentially to kind of copy trade the same moves that I make, but it's all completely yeah. in a smart contract. Um, so my funds and my trades are in this smart contract. And then when I go make a trade, people can have deposited their own funds to the smart contract as well. And it mirrors them. Um, but they, they put it in, they can take it out anytime, all that stuff. But the, yeah, these token sets, um, are really fascinating. So that DeFi pulse index, these same people, uh, that's the same technology that that's based on, but anyone can go create one themselves and then like manage their own token set and indices and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's pretty fun. It's like this kind of social concept of trading stuff on DEXs. So is this Jay, like the best? We obviously should just like, do I'm this. Like, I listen to this show and I'm like, I like that Brian guy, uh, but I'm not going to follow all of his trades because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I just want a token that does all of his trades for me. Is that basically what we're talking about here? Uh, yeah. Someone could treat it that way. Yeah. Okay. That's someone. I mean, this me. is our. <laughs> this is our chance to this is our chance to end our slide, Jay. Aaron was like, we, like Aaron was like, you can go on matcha and do X, Y, and Z. And I went on matcha and I saw, I saw the gas fee and I was like, Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what actually I found one thing interesting I, is I kinda like this for public accountability. You know, like I, I consider myself a trader and I talk about trades and taking trades. Well, this is like all my trades just on a smart contract open to the world and anyone can look at them and be like, Oh, this guy's this here's his trades and here's how much he's uh, you know, how much his trades have made in X, Y, Z time. Um, so it's really interesting accountability for someone that's talking about these things and saying what they're, what they're doing. It just tracks it for you. And if you're cheap about gas, it's great also because oh, yeah. Brian pays all your gas. Yeah. When is this so going to, you don't want to pump this thing on the show, but like, when no. is it, when is it available? Um, for, uh, just, for people to just buy with Ethereum. Yeah, token sets, the product for people to issue dollars into any token set. Right now, you have to hold all the underlying things in order to kind of like join it. Um, and soon they'll release something that's going to allow you to do Ethereum directly and like split it out to all the stuff underlying in any set. Uh, it's still a couple of weeks away, but by the time, you know, people will probably decide to do it, it'll probably be there. Um, we'll, we'll tell people how to do it on the show because I'm going to do it on the show. So I'll tell people <laughs> how I did it on the show. But I want to say a couple things about why it's a good idea. One, it's very, the, if I could say one thing about DeFi to people who are curious about it and maybe have some Ethereum and want to try it, the gas is going to kill you. You can't trade in small increments on DEXs. The gas is going to be 50 or $100, even if you're only trading $500 sometimes. So you don't want to spread things across a ton of bags. It's going to destroy your profit. However, when you buy something like DPI or the upcoming Tulip Fund uh, from the token set that is managed by Brian, those are one purchase. And then that fund is going out and doing all these trades, which you don't pay gas on. 
this is an amazing savings. This is like easily I've paid more than 1%, I think, of, of trade fees over time. So I kind of think this is actually the future of all this stuff is that you really shouldn't be like trading willy nilly on the decks. You should engage in uh, getting a token which sort of represents a thesis, represents a thesis or an investor and, and following their free fee. Sorry if I just cost you a lot of money in gas, Brad. No, that's okay. I've already paid like, I don't know, $1,500 worth of fees and I've only been doing this for a few days. <laughs> so it's, uh, I might have to slow down the degree that I'm trading, but when the market's like really hot and you know, something moves 20, 30% in a day, I just can't help but say, okay, well I'm rotating my stuff from this token to another token because that one hasn't moved yet. This one did. It's just a bull market thing, but um, there'll be times where I'm significantly slower or like all Ethereum or almost all Bitcoin, things like that. Um, I just think it's really fun uh, to trade and, and, you know, it's profitable too. It's been uh, people who are just now starting to pay attention. There is time to take advantage of a crypto bull market, but like this all started in earnest back in last summer uh, or sooner. Like, when what the the liquidity crisis in March, right, that affected every single market, and Bitcoin went sub uh, four thousand for a hot minute. If you just like went all in into Bitcoin like the next day, and then you just traded in and out of various crypto things since then, like you're doing very well. <laughs> like just Bitcoin is up ten x. So if you succeeded in beating Bitcoin, you're probably up more than ten x on what your initial what, what you had in the market that day. Uh, and that's not just crypto. Like look at the stock market, like tons of stocks that looked like they were literally going to zero have also recovered and made new all time highs and all that stuff. It was just like a generational buying opportunity because of the COVID crash across all markets. Index that I think I could talk you into buying into that I wanted to do. So there's another one of these things that's called Enzyme Finance. I think I actually heard about it in you and Carpe Noctum stream. He's, he was like, oh, I'm moving my thing from token sets to Enzyme Finance. So the big difference between Enzyme Finance and token sets is that anyone can sign up for Enzyme Finance if they pay the gas fees. I think token sets is invite only. So I signed up for one and I wanted to call it the NFT fund. And it's basically just a bunch of tokens that aren't NFTs themselves, but are part of the NFT economy. So we would have NFTX. I'm in one that's just called NFT that I'm like two or three X on that I'm basically just camping on, waiting for people to type NFT into DEXs. <laughs> there's one called Unif you there's one called Unifty, which I tried to get Brian in. It's NIF N I F and he like he like gave me like the like stink reaction like I've never <laughs> seen from him. Like, like really just like, I have no interest in it. And so there's a bunch of these. Unfortunately, I couldn't really set it up because Enzyme only supports like the top 100 bags or so. And it was like really the only NFT plays I had there were Mana from Decentraland and Engine Coin. I wanted it to be like a mix of like mid and small cap like NFT economies. But I actually like that's probably a third of my portfolio right now, which I agree is too heavy. I do think Ledger, do you think that there would be some value to having like, you know, for 5% of your portfolio, if you're into NFTs, you know, take a little uh, group group NFT back. 
Yeah, I think if you could get in um, in a way that you could then get out, then that's worthwhile. The yeah. problem is, I mean, and I'm running into this. If we didn't get in, there's a token underlying the hash masks one. So it's like, it's not, um, it's not total doom and gloom for me. But if you don't sell them, then you're just kind of stuck with them. So if you're the type of person that says, well, I want to be able to go to cash at any time. Well, you can't, it, you can't exactly just do that. Like <laughs> in the same way that with art, if you have to like go to an auction or something like that to actually get rid of it, it takes some time to get out of NFT. So yeah, it's, it's typically not for me, but I've been recently getting interested in it for a whole variety of reasons, but mostly the fact that it's fun for speculators right now. It's very fun. One of the, one of the projects that was listed on the NF, NIF chain is called Harem Token. Oh, man. And it's like tokens for AI deepfake porn production. <laughs> it's the weirdest token I've come across. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some and send them to Jay. Yeah. It's, more, it's more Jay's area. All new technology um, is defined by uh, <laughs> such endeavors, it seems. Um, this was great. Thanks for coming on. Jay, you got, any, you got anything before we go? No. Um, I just please, you know, send us some, send us some fun. Oh NFTs yeah. If you can. Oh yeah. We actually, sorry, I didn't mention this. We got a dedicated box now for coin talk before people were, uh, hitting up lammer.f and a listener kindly sent us in exchange for one of our NFTs cointalk.f. So if you have a tip for us in any ERC 20 compatible currency, send it to cointalk.f. If you have an NFT that you want us to see, send it to cointalk.f. We're going to print some more. Have you printed any NFTs, Brian? I will probably be doing one tomorrow for a show that I'm doing, but I have not minted one myself yet. I just have been a, a buyer and a seller. You're doing this on your Twitch stream tomorrow night? What's that? You're going to do this on your Twitch stream tomorrow night? You're going to make an NFT? Yeah, I think me and Kobe are going to make one tomorrow night. What are you going to make? Okay. No idea. I think maybe you, I'll do like a picture of my dog. <laughs> is it going to be in a big enough edition that me and Jay can get one? Yeah, sure. I'll make a batch. Send me make one, a batch. We, I want all that. I just want to look at my MetaMask wallet and just see a whole bunch of shit. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> I feel rich when I see it. All right, guys. Till next time. All right, thanks. thanks. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to Coin Talk. We've uh, we've done a couple shows here. I hope we get to do more. We'll see you when we see you.